Welcome to the NPFCC Messages Podcast. We're sincerely glad you're listening today and thankful you're making the absorption of God's Word a priority in your life. In this message series, E3, we're taking a close look at our church's mission and our three primary values, encounter God, experience community, and extend compassion. We pray that as all of us collectively move forward in one direction, the kingdom of God becomes better actualized in our community. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, then uh, turn to the book of Mark chapter 2. We're going to settle in there in just a few minutes. In Mark chapter 2, one of the Gospels, if you're new to the Bible, um, the, you know, the, there's the Old Testament part and the New Testament part, and in the New Testament part, it's Matthew, Mark, second book in the New Testament, so we'd love to have you join us there. Um, we have begun 2023. Can you believe the first month is getting towards an end already? It's amazing how fast it goes. But we've begun this year in a series that we've called E3, where we're looking at the mission and the strategies of Newbury Park First Christian Church. Uh, what makes us unique, um, what, why we do what we do, what influences our decision-making, what excites us and what we celebrate, uh, that's what we're diving into. And over the last couple of weeks, we, we have made our mission statement front and center. And so if you have that little uh, sheet that was on your, your chairs, in fact, Jimmy, here, let me grab, I'm going to steal yours this morning. Um, and if you want to just read this with me, um, our, the mission statement of Newberry Park First Christian Church is to what? Help people find and follow Jesus. That's the simple statement of the one that we, that we say, which is to help develop fully devoted followers of Christ who seek and save the lost. And I think it's worth repeating that this was not our idea. We got this from Jesus. When he commissioned his first disciples, he told us, go into all the nations Make disciples carrying on the mission of Jesus, which is to seek and save the lost. And so how do we, you might ask, well, how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because here at MPFCC, we have three statements. They all start with the letter E. Some of you have been around for a while. Somebody even told me last week, oh, you changed the middle one. We did. Um, and we're going to dive into that this morning. Uh, but uh, th- there's three E's, and, and you can repeat these with me. They'll be up on the screen. Is We do this by helping people encounter God, experience community, and extend compassion. So when we're planning things, when we're looking at what we should be doing as a church, when we're evaluating things, we always come back to those and say, hey, does, is it helping us help people find and follow Jesus by encountering God, experiencing community, or extending compassion. Last week we looked at what it meant to encounter God. We looked at the story of Moses and how he saw Moses in the burning bush and and what an encounter that must be. And I invited you to pray a very courageous prayer last week. To pray, Lord, dear God, here I am. I want to encounter you. And and I don't know how many of you did that or or what you experienced, but I saw God working in some powerful ways in people's lives this week. And it's amazing how oftentimes, as you pray that prayer, God starts to open up doors for us. And I think it's just that he opens up my visibility. He helps me see more as I'm making myself more and more available to him. And so we want you to encounter God. And not just here in this place as we're singing together and worshiping together. We want you to encounter God on a daily basis 
basis, through his word, through prayer, through uh, being, you know, whatever you're doing, God is actively at work because his presence is with us. And this morning, we want to turn our attention to the second of our strategy statements. This is the one where we, we did change the letter uh, to make it a little bit easier to fit with, uh, with the others. And, and it's this whole idea of what it means to experience community. We used to say build community. Uh, now it's experience because um, you, you, could, you could build something, but we want you to truly experience what community is all about. You know, I, it was amazing. Uh, last week, we got rid of cable a while ago, so I, we're not getting the news piped into our house, praise Jesus. Um, but, but I happened to catch a little bit of a news feed that talked about how in Ohio last week, there was a 79-year-old woman and her 52-year-old son who were found um, dead in their home. But when they went to investigate, they discovered that they had been dead in their home for over two years. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that was my reaction, right? You're like, what? Like, like, how does no one know? Like, how does no one miss you for two years? I mean, I re realized that everything was on lockdown, and there's some people that just want to hide away, but how, for two years, does, does somebody not know? I, I mean, and, and, and it's amazing. We, we live in a time and a day when a coworker is one email away, a friend is one text away, a loved one's one video chat away, and, and although communication might be easier and faster than ever, and connection and community are complicated things. We, we have fooled ourselves into thinking that, you know, well, I have lots of friends on Facebook. And, and we think that our friendship basket is full when in reality, um, it's not. And, and despite all of the social advancements, technological advancements in our day and age, being the, the problem is, is that there is still an epidemic of loneliness in our world today. Over the last 50 years, okay, this is not a new thing. Over the last 50 years, rates of loneliness have doubled and since the pandemic tripled in the United States. And I'm sure that that doesn't surprise you at all. In a survey of over 20,000 Americans, they found that almost half of the respondents, so 10,000 out of 20, so 50% of people report feeling alone, left out, or isolated in their lives. I think the pandemic just really intensified our isolation and loneliness and gave us an excuse in so many ways. And, and, and I'm going to guess that even here in church there's this morning that there's some people who you don't feel, you feel anything but connected. If we're honest, most of us at least go through moments when we struggle with feelings of loneliness uh, we struggle with knowing that we belong. But especially in the church, this should never be the case because God created you. He created me. He created us to belong. Folks, we need to belong to a church, not just attend one. And, and that's the goal this morning. So turn to the person that you're sitting next to and say, you belong here. And now to turn to the person on the other side and say, you belong here this morning. <laughs> yeah. So here's the reality. We, we were created. We were created. Thank you. <laughs> I, 
I have a funny joke. We were going through database stuff, and we found out a while back, about a year ago, that somehow I wasn't a member of the church. So that, that was pretty funny. So, um. <laughs> but, but here's the reality. Um, yeah, yeah, we took care of that. Um, we were created for community. Uh, that, that, is just, that is just a truth. Now, what is community? The dictionary describes community as a group of people who are connected by a common bond, purpose, or goal. And I think we share all of those things. We share a common bond in our faith in Jesus, which makes us his family, his church. We share a common purpose to help people find and follow Jesus. We share a common goal, and that is helping other people get to heaven and experience forever in the presence of Jesus. For, for our purposes today, I, I want us to think as community, as kind of shared life. Shared life. Community is in our DNA. It was built into us from the very beginning. And this is something we talk about a lot around here because it is core to who we are. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, right at the very beginning when God was creating all things, he created all of the stuff, he spoke it into being, but then... It says in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says, then God said, let us, us, right? We get a glimpse of who God is in there. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them Male and female, he created them. There is all kinds of community language built into our creation. When God molded us and shaped us, he created us for community. We were created in his image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? That's where, where God says, let us make man in our image, right? It's like, you're like, who is he talking to? Well, he's talking to himself for all intents and purposes, but he's, he, he's talking in community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Godhead, he is saying, hey, he, God, God is, he doesn't just have relationships, he is one at the core. And you'll hear me say that all the time because it is so central to who we are because it's part of our DNA when we, he created us in his image. And so part of God's image is knitted into our fabric, the fabric of our being, is a longing and a deep desire for community. Then in Genesis uh, 2, 18, it, it says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. You know, the interesting thing is the only thing in all of creation that was not good was that man was alone. I mean, when God spoke everything into being, he said light, and it was good. He said dirt, it was good. He said, plants, it was good. Animals, it was good. Even mankind, he says, when he created man at the beginning, he says it was very good. But then he backs up and he looks at it and he says, wait a minute. There's one thing that's not good. And it's not good for man to be alone. And I would say it is not good if you are trying to do this life alone. And we can get into the whole extrovert, introvert thing. I mean, it plays itself out every day in our house. But the reality is, is it is not good to be alone. God's design has always been for us to live in community. And that's why one of the things that I truly believe 
that, that we believe here as a church is that um, uh, circles are, are, are better than rows. I mean, you're all sitting in rows this morning, and I love it. I, I, I love seeing you all in a row. We can do lots of wonderful things here. We can celebrate and worship and everything else. But, but rows have their own issues as well because you can walk into this room, sit in a row, and never get to know the people in your row, right? Uh, in, in a row, you can kind of hide because there's people all the way on the other end. In fact, I, I want you, this is kind of interesting, I want you to just take a look at who's on the other end of your row this morning, right? Because we, we want to see one another. Yeah, it's okay, wave, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it is so easy to hide in a row. And a lot of people, and this may be you this morning, right? And, and, and my prayer this morning is that if this is you, that maybe we just shake this up just a little bit. But the reality this morning is, is that some people come week after week and they sit in a row and they don't know the people on the other side of the row, and they aren't known by the other people. And so they can come in here and they can hide. And that's precisely what some people want to do. But we're on a mission to make sure, and I know this scares a few of you, we're on a mission to make sure that you can't get in here and hide because you were created for community. In rows, you can pray. In a circle, you get prayed for. In rows, you can cry, and, and that's why there's tissue everywhere in here, because it just seems to happen. But in circles, you are comforted. Amen, right? Preach it. In a row, you can listen. In a circle, you can discuss. In a row, you can hide, but in a circle, you are known, and that's our goal. And I got to tell you, I'm standing here I'm standing here, the guy with the microphone this morning, really, for all intents and purposes, because of community. And really, it's because of my dad's community, the community that he had, the, the circle of friends and influence that impacted his life spilled over onto me. And without that, I can guarantee you I wouldn't be standing here this morning. I might be attending, but I wouldn't be here. You see, when, when, um, when I was a kid, um, I, I grew up in church. Um, and for me, um, you know, I was a rambunctious kid with tons of energy. Um, and to me, I'll just be honest, church, church felt boring at times. I always said, man, if I ever get the chance to be in charge with one thing, it won't be as boring. So, you know, so that may explain things for some of you. Um, but when I was a kid, I remember... Um, if you've been around me, you've heard this story already, but I had this group of friends, um, my own little community of mischief makers, right? It was usually uh, the pastors and elders' kids that all got together because <laughs> we would get drugged to church all the time. We had to get creative about, you know, how we survived. <laughs> so, but one Sunday when I was in seventh grade, in seventh grade, um, a bunch of us were on our way from Sunday school to church and we found a milk crate. And uh, we're looking at a milk crate, and we're thinking to ourselves, what could we do with that? And then for some reason, one of us looked up at the roof of the church and said, I'll bet you we could slide down the roof. And, and the roof we had was way steeper than this one. 
And then on one side, it had this little like patio, covered patio area. So it came down really steep, and then there was this long covered patio area. And we thought, hey, we could climb to the top, jump in this milk crate, and we could slide down the roof and then onto that thing. It'll work great, (laughs) right? So we did. One of the major problems was this church was going on inside. So just imagine this morning, if you start hearing, right, boom, 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 you know, like what in the world, right? It was like none of you would be listening to me anymore. You'd be like, what on earth is going on up there? So after I, we, we only got one ride out of the thing. I went first. Um, so, I'm, I, so the three of us are climbing up and we're dragging this milk crate up and, and the two guys are holding onto it while I'm gonna jump in and go for a ride. So I jump in and I slide down. Well, that angle wasn't really great and so I hit and got thrown out of the milk crate and I'm tumbling over this long patio area and, and I'm seeing the end is coming. And all of a sudden, I just stop. And when I stopped and I looked over the edge, there was a circle of men. My dad and his circle. These men who were giving me the look of death. And I crawled down and was immediately surrounded and, and, of course, a, a bit scared about what my punishment might be. But standing in the midst of that circle, there was one gentleman. I think all of them would have done it, but one spoke up first. A guy named Carl Dupre. And he stepped in between me and my dad to save my life. Um, <laughs> And I remember he, he stepped in between us, he looked at my dad and he says, hey Dennis, he goes, let me take the first round with him. <laughs> what does that tell you, right? So he just said, come with me. And he walked me down the street to a Tasty Freeze and he bought me ice cream. And he sat down and he told me that, yeah, I was in trouble, but. But he said, you know, Ken, if, if God can give you that kind of creativity and that kind of energy, um, what could he do with you if you truly surrendered to him? And I think God could use you, and I think someday you'd make a really good pastor. And I thought, are you nuts? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? But not only Carl, but several of the other guys in that circle I think they saw something in a crazy junior high kid that I didn't see in myself. And in that circle, they continued to discipline me and to love me into a calling that I am so grateful for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I love to go down to children's ministry and see the crazy ones. Because <laughs> there's hope for tomorrow. <laughs> but I believe I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for that community. 
And, and see, I, I love, John Wesley has this incredible statement. He says this. He says, you must find companions or make them. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. The, the Bible doesn't know of faith outside of community. Now, certainly, you know, reading your Bible and praying and having a personal relationship with Jesus is great, but the Bible doesn't know anything. I mean, wh why do you think Jesus gathered around him those 12 guys, right? Because it's all about community. So I want to take a look this morning at a day in the life of Jesus that shows us how important community was. So if you have your Bibles open to Mark chapter 2, we're going to dive into this really fun story. And so it says this in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, excuse me, a few days later, Jesus entered Capernaum. The people had heard that he had come home, and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So there is a place for a large gathering of people, right? Um, it's great when large crowds gather together and we worship and we hear the word, and, and it, it does serve a purpose. And when Jesus is there, he attracts lots of people. Uh, that's why I keep saying, you know, we, we don't need gimmicks. We just need to continually make sure Jesus' presence is here. When Jesus' presence is here, we won't have trouble packing the room, right? That, that, that is the goal. But, but when it comes to helping people grow in relationship to Jesus, when it comes to experiencing community, which we need, we have to acknowledge that, that circles or smaller groups are better than rows or this big, giant gathering. So it goes on in, in verse uh, 2, uh, verse 3, it says, Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, and since they could not get to him to Jesus, they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man or the mat the man was lying on. Now, now I just just right off the bat, just you know, have to have to comment on this, right? I, I know what it's like to disturb church on the roof. And but, but what I see here is pretty amazing because the first thing that happens in community, okay, in community we know each other's struggles and pain and issues. I mean, think about this paralyzed man. I mean, in, in this world, in Jesus' time, for a, a man who was paralyzed like this, number one, everyone thought it must have been caused by a sin or that he or his parents had done, so he was kind of like, oh, you know, he was already an outcast. Um, they didn't have, you know, uh, American disabilities, um, you know, stuff, so, you know, they didn't have handicap ramps or anything like that. They didn't have any, there were no services to help this guy out. The best that this guy could do is probably beg near the synagogue or you know, temple or wherever so that he could get in, scrape together enough to, to have something to eat. And, and in this world, there was no hope for this guy except that he had a group of friends. You know, my, my mind wandered all over the place this week thinking about this. I was thinking like, what would cause these four guys to do that? You know, I, I mean, could it be that maybe, you know, these guys used to be a group of friends that ran around and did crazy things together, and one day this guy had an accident and found himself paralyzed? I, we, we don't know. There's a lot we don't know about the story. But one thing we do know is that there were four guys 
who stuck with their friend, regardless of his situation, regardless of his struggle and his suffering. We had four guys who stuck with him and who not only stuck with him, but had compassion. They cared for this guy. But folks, that is what we want you to experience in, in a group, in a circle, is we want you to experience being cared for. We often in this life, we settle for pseudo-community. I, I hope you realize that that's exactly what social media is. Right? It's, it, it, it can be a nice little tool for certain things, but folks, do not ever fall for the lie that that is real community. You can call them friends or followers or whatever you want to call them, but that is not real community. And I think we have to understand that, that, that we need one another and to be there for one another. We, we run into all kinds of things that are pseudo-community. Um, I mean, we, we run into you know, sports and hobby groups and different people who are doing different things. And we run in and we typically kind of get what we want. We kind of are on an acquaintance or at best we kind of hang out every once in a while with a small group of people. But are you really cared for, like in a deep, deep way? Do people know all of your issues? Do they know all of your struggles? Do you share all of your pains? Do you know what's happening deeply in each other's lives? And are people there for you? in the midst of that, because that's community. I, I mean, we are really good at getting into places where everything looks good on the outside, and then we don't share a lot at the, at the core of many of the groups that we're in. Uh, we typically run from deep community, because deep community requires vulnerability, transparency, it, it, it requires that we open up to one another, it requires an incredibly deep level of trust. And, and so many of us are afraid of that, but that's exactly what God wants for you. And I would even encourage you this morning to think about maybe the groups and things that you're in, the ones that you think you know, are, are, are you know, like, oh, these are, these are so life-giving to me or whatever. Are, are they really places of deep community? Or are they places where you can hide? where it can look good on the outside while you're hurting on the inside. These guys knew this guy's deep struggle and his deep pain. They knew his deep longings, and they cared for him. And that leads me to the next point. In, in community, we carry each other. I mean, I love this story because here's these four guys, and, and this guy is on a mat, right? Um, and at this point in life, he's, he's probably not just laying there. That's probably where he lives, right, day in, day out. And I love the fact that these guys cared enough to where when they heard Jesus was in town, man, these guys, like, they each picked up a corner of that thing, and they took off. I, I, I mean, I, I love that. And, and I love watching that happen in our church. I, I love watching when... People are in need, and people jump up to take up a corner of whatever situation is going on. I, I love it when, when I see people who are in need, and then people in our church family rally around them. They pick up a corner, and they run, and they run into the midst of what's going on. 
And, and I love that because that's what community is all about. And the Bible tells us we're supposed to carry each other. And in Galatians 6, 2, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. We're supposed to carry one another's burdens. Now, again, I want to be really careful here, because, you know, like what, we, what we're learning, you know, from CR and other things, is we have to be very careful, because obviously we're not we're not wanting to enable people to just stay in their situation. We, we don't want to live lives of codependency and things like that where, where their issue becomes our issue and then that's what we learn to live in. That's not what we're talking about. Th- these guys come up with a purpose and a reason and a solution for this guy's issue and that is Jesus. And that's the third thing we, that happens in community. In community, we bring each other to Jesus, closer to Jesus. We bring each other closer to Jesus. That's what community is really all about. And, and, and I, I really want to challenge you. Like, do you have a place where you have a small group of people whose goal it is to help you get closer to Jesus? Like, to, to become more and more like Jesus. To, to walk with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to start to follow in his footsteps and and walk the way that Jesus walked. Do you have that? Because you aren't meant to try to just do that on your own. So much of it, so much of it, we, we think that, oh, I'm supposed to be on this like personal journey and everything else. And yes, there's a place, like I said, for that. But you know what? You're not called to do it alone. We need to push and we need to sometimes rub against one another. And sometimes as iron sharpens iron, sparks are going to fly. That is why Jesus picked 12 totally different people. I say this all the time. Jesus' life group was nuts. He picked, I mean, think about it. He, He picked like these Jewish fishermen who hated being taxed by Roman tax collectors, so he got one of those. And and then, on on top of that, he went out and grabbed this zealot, which means he was a Middle Eastern terrorist. He said, yeah, you come in too. And, And all these different guys who had to have rubbed each other the wrong way. And Jesus said, yep, we're gonna learn to do life together. And it was all centered around who, who Jesus was, getting closer to Jesus. And even after Jesus returned to heaven, we, what we discover is that these guys were constantly helping shape each other into the image of Christ. Even Peter and Paul, man, they go at it a couple times, right? And they're disagreeing and they're debating and they're figuring it out, but they're doing it together. And that's what it's supposed to be like. It's not meant to be a place where we dress up, show up, you know, and look really nice, smile to each other, and then walk out and carry our hurts back out. It's supposed to be a place where we struggle together, where, where we battle together, where we grow together, where we encourage together, and where we help each other become more like Jesus. That is the goal. If you don't have a place where there's a small group of people who come around you and help you become more like Jesus, then you're not experiencing true community. I love this. It says in in Mark chapter 5, as we go on in the story, um, it says, when Jesus saw their faith. 
I mean, I just love that. Jesus saw their faith. He, he didn't see the damage they did to the roof. He saw their faith. And, and I resonate with that because I think about those men who saw something in me, right? They, they didn't see this crazy kid that caused lots of trouble. They saw something else. Jesus didn't see guys that were ripping apart a roof. Jesus saw guys that were trying to get their friend closer to him. And Jesus looks at them, he sees their faith, and he says to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, it's in community, our faith grows. And, and I would actually say, in community, it's not only our faith grows, our faith shows. We get to practice it together. I mean, Jesus sees their faith. Like I said, he didn't focus on the damage they were doing. Um, and, and it's interesting. Yeah, I, when I look at this, it, it's like he sees their faith, and then he talks to the guy. So it's like it's interesting to me that he sees the faith of the four friends, and then he looks at the guy and says, son, your sins are forgiven. And it's not the only place in Scripture that this kind of thing happens. You know, you had uh, one of the most recent episodes of The Chosen, if you're watching it, uh, was about Jairus, uh, the, this um, Jewish synagogue leader, and uh, his daughter, his daughter was dying. And so Jairus, he goes and he sees Jesus, and he says, Jesus, can you come and, you know, heal my daughter? And, and it's his faith. I mean, when they get there, she's dead. Right? And, and so then Jesus brings her back to life. And it was his faith that made her well. Now, I don't know how that works because here's what I do know. Your faith can't save somebody else, but your faith certainly can impact people's lives and bring healing and wholeness to people's lives. In fact, I think if you live your faith out well, that it's such an example to the people around you that they start to question their own faith. And they start to grow in their faith. So as our faith grows, we hope that it impacts the people around us. And our faith grows together in community. And that's what we believe around here, that our faith just grows better in community. I mean, so Jesus turns, he turns this whole situation, I love this, Jesus turns the whole thing into a sermon illustration. Right? This whole hole in the roof and everything else. Um, he tells the guy, hey, your sins are forgiven. And sure enough, there's a couple people in the room that aren't having it. Just like this morning, I know there's a few of you in the room who are going, oh, life group, really? I know you talk about this all the time. I don't think I really need it. Again, let me say this one more time, ever so lovingly, if that thought has crossed your mind, you need it more than you think. Okay. Um, so the, the story goes on. So it says, now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he took up his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. 
What Jesus is pointing out here is he's pointing out that faith, right, the, the, the state of your faith is much more important than the state of your physical being. That faith is what's most important to Jesus. It's even more important than, than your physical well-being, right? Because faith is one thing that's going to last into eternity. Uh, it's not that Jesus doesn't care about the physical needs. He does, and he heals the guy. But he does this more out of, he, he's more concerned with our faith. Physical feeling, healing, oftentimes, especially in Scripture, typically is the outcome or the outgrowth of faith. Faith has to be in place first. This amazed everyone. I love this. It says at the very end, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. If you don't want to, if you want to see something like you've never seen before, if you want to do life like you've never done it before, if you want to grow like you've never grown before, you know what? Get in a small group of people and run to Jesus, and things will happen. Because in community, we celebrate. I love this in our life group, man. We celebrate. We, we will find every excuse to try to celebrate. It usually revolves around food. And, you know, and, and I know we got lots of cooks and, and stuff around here in the church, but, you know, it's like we jump together and we, and we celebrate together. We celebrate the victories that we see in each other's lives. Because, why? Because we know the issues. We know the things that are hurting people and issues that people are worried about and, and scared about and, and the things about our kids and our grandkids and all these things in each other's lives. And we're praying for those. And so when we see God move, it's easy to celebrate. And here at MPFCC, we just, quite honestly, we believe that we grow best in community. And that is, that, that's the thing that I want you to get more than anything else this morning. We grow best in community. It, it's so biblical. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. Again, not that the Holy Spirit isn't with you all the time, but there is something uniquely dynamic about getting together in a small group of people that, that brings God's presence to bear. It's the way the early church grew. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 43, it says they do, this was like the very first, this is like the first week the church ever starts. And listen to how the church started. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When we experience community, people get saved. It's just what happens. You know, um, a, a thing I heard years ago, and I, I just, I, I keep repeating this in myself, and I want to share it with you, is this. The, the church must get bigger because people matter. When we talk about growing the church, it's, it's not just to fill the seats or whatever. It's because this morning, while we're in here, there are lots and lots of lost people out there. You know them. Your heart breaks for many of them. And our goal is to see them here. 
And so the church, is, the church by its very nature should get bigger. Why? Because people matter. People matter to Jesus when we seek and we save the lost. We, we want to bring them in. But the church must, grow, must get smaller because you matter. Because your growth and your process of becoming more and more like Jesus, your process of developing a faith that looks day in and day out more like you're looking like Jesus, like you're following the master and you're, you're putting it into practice. Because guess what? I keep trying to do it and I keep messing it up at times. And I need people around me that are like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Or people who are saying like, come on, Ken, like, let's get going. I, I mean, that's, that's what we need. If, if you want to really grow in your faith, you, you need community. You need a, a group of people who are going to say, hey, we are together going to make sure we look like Jesus. And where we spur one another on towards love and good deeds, as the scripture says. It is so vital when we do that, okay? It, it, I mean, if you want religion, then you can just sit. And you can just hide. You can just bury it all. And you can have your own private whatever. But if you want to do what Jesus is inviting you to do, to step into a life that is growing that is constantly dynamic and exciting because you're becoming more and more like Jesus, then get into a group. Our solution here at MPFCC, quite honestly, it, it, we call, you hear us talk about it all the time, it's life group. And, and the reason that we talk about it all the time is because we really do believe it's that vital. We, we believe that if you're not in one, that you're missing out. And, and so honestly, we're, we're not telling you you should get in one because you know we've got this program that we just want everyone to buy into. We're, we're telling you to get into one because we believe that if you aren't in one, you're missing out on a very important part of the process of your growth. And, and that's what we want for you. And, and so this morning, I mean, you've got this little card that's sitting on your seat. And this is an opportunity for you to say, yeah. You know, in, in fact, my, my prayer for you this morning, what I've been praying all week, I've been praying all week that there would be many people who would set down all their excuses on why they shouldn't or why they can't or why they don't need to be in a life group and that God would somehow shake up and break up that thing in your life and you would actually say like, okay, I'm gonna take one step closer. To, to real community. Today it might be join us for next steps. Hear a little bit more, right? Maybe that's the next step for you. Uh, maybe it's rooted. Yeah, we have this thing we call it our connection pathway, right? It's like come to next steps. Go to rooted, man. You're, you're going to find out some very fundamental stuff. And, and, and if you've been a believer for a long time, but you've just been doing the same thing, you know, if it's just become routine, if it's just become like, okay, status quo, then jump into Rooted, um, uh, you know, and, and it, it will help ignite your faith. And then get into a life group. Life groups are a place where we encourage and we grow together. In fact, you, you can listen to me talk about it 
Um, but I want you to hear from somebody else. So I, I want you to just uh, pay attention to the screen and listen to one of our newer folks talk about how Life Group has impacted them. Well, I'm James Jenkins. Um, I have been attending NPFCC for a little over six months now, I think it's been, and um, one of the amazing things that I've been able to plug into here is the life group. And what is a life group? As I found out pretty quickly, and it's pretty simple, it's a, a group of people doing life together, right? That is, that is literally what we're doing. So we, we get together on a weekly basis, a couple hours a week, and we talk about what's going on uh, in one another's lives. And we experience the joy of being together. It's like, it's like if Thanksgiving, the holiday, came once a week instead of once a year, right? And you actually look forward to seeing everybody that's gonna be there. And uh, I can't speak for all life groups, but in ours also, we, we eat really good. Thank you, Christine Sizemore. So it's, it's like Thanksgiving and, and, and we're, we're having fellowship and we're talking and, and we're lifting each other up and we're just heaping all kinds of love on one another. And we also um, get to discuss the word and usually related to the, the message from Sunday service here at NPFCC. And we get deep on it and it becomes a dialogue because we're, we're talking back and forth. How is it relevant to us? What do we think it means? How does it make us feel? And so we, we really get to, to, to dig into it. On top of that, um, also we're, we're like a little prayer army for one another, right? And we, we all pray for each other and for everything that we've got going on. We, we, we go through the, the highs and the lows, the ups and downs, all together. And, and we know that's how the Lord wants us to experience our time here. Um, so so it, it's, it's really such a blessing to be able to have that. We, we share our, our, our talents and our gifts with each other and as iron sharpens iron, we sharpen one another. Um, and it, it's just been an amazing blessing and I've seen real change, I've seen the effects. The Lord has done work in all of our lives and we get to recognize that and celebrate and praise him for it together and it's because you know we pray together and we ask these things in his name and it happens and it's amazing it's just been an incredible uh, blessing of joy and peace for me in my life the lord shows me that he loves me through these people that he places in my life and in all of our lives. That is one of the ways in which he shows how deeply he cares for us. I found it like really significant that of the three statements, the community one is in the middle. I found that really relevant because it's, it, it is the, the center of the heart, right? And from, from experiencing community, you can actually access the other two as well, right? That's, that's sort of the center. You can encounter God and you can extend compassion from your community, right? So um, you can engage with other ministries here at NPFCC together with your life group. You can serve together with your life group. You can go through the rooted experience with your life group. We uh, hosted a trunk at the Trunk or Treat experience, our life group, right? So you, you can kind of branch out um, 
from the community. And as we go forth into these ever-widening circles, gathering people uh, into our forever family with our Heavenly Father, the life group is like the constant core, I find. It's like the, the nucleus of that. Um, that family within the, the larger family within the community. You have a family in your life group and it will make your life with the Lord so amazingly different and so amazingly better. And so I can't encourage enough um, people to find a life group and just, just, just enjoy this ride with us. Hmm. Thanks, James. Oh, man. You know, when we live in community, lost people get found. Found people grow. Hurting people find healing. Sad people find comfort. Hungry people get fed. Poor people get provided for. Confused people find answers. People in bondage find freedom. Depressed people find hope. Anxious people find peace. Lonely people find belonging. That's what it's all about. When we live in and out of community, our city will see Jesus at work. And they will experience the kingdom of God come in this place, bringing his presence to them. John 13, 35 says, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And we believe that happens in community. Because folks, here's the reality. One day, every single one of us will find ourselves on the map. Don't know what it is that might knock you down. You might be spiritually paralyzed, physically, emotionally, mentally wrecked. We will all find ourselves in that place, unable to move on our own. You are going to need somebody to pick up a corner and help get you to Jesus. And I, for one, hope that you find those people and find that community before you need it. There's a simple application today, and that's this. Take a step towards community. Fill out the card. There's a table out on the patio. Go and talk to somebody. Join us at Next Steps or sign up for Rooted. Do something to start. So everybody look at the person next to, the, next to you today and say, I'm going to start. Now, if you said it, remember you're in church. <laughs> can't, can't break that, right? Well, let, let, me, let, me just, let me just end with this, and the praise team can come, can come forward because we're going to sing more together. But uh, I heard this great illustration. There, a great preacher um, back in the early part of this, uh, uh, the last century, a guy named Fred Craddock, and uh, he shared a story about a pastor named Glenn Hickey at a, at a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where uh, every time they would get a, a new, uh, every time they would get a new person that would show up at church, um, they would invite them to, to a meal. And at the meal, um, they would stand up at the end of the meal, and they would introduce themselves to the new person. And, and they would say something like this, hi, I'm I'm Bob, and I'm a plumber. 
you have a clogged drain or a broken pipe, just give me a call. The next person would say, hey, I'm Sue. I love children. If you need a babysitter, I'm your person. The next person would say, hey, I'm John, and I'm a lawyer. I hope you never need my services, but if you do, I'm there for you. I'm Lisa. I'm a nurse, and if you're ever sick, please don't hesitate to call. I'm Fred, and I'm a carpenter. If you need something fixed, here's my phone number. And the new person just looked around the room and looked at all their new friends and said, wow, I, I, I don't know what to say. I've never really been part of anything like this before. What, what do we call this group? The pastor just smiled and said, we call this church. And folks, we, we want to be a place where you don't just hide out, where you don't just come in and feel good for an hour or so or have someone watch your kids for a little while. We want to be a place where you are known and you know you belong and you're growing to become more like Jesus. From wherever you're at, we just want to help you take the next step and we just believe that the best place for that to happen is in community. In fact, it's precisely because God couldn't stand the thought of an eternity without you of you being outside of community with him, that he took on flesh and he went to a cross and he died in your place in hopes that you would say yes to relationship, relationship with him. See, Jesus doesn't want us to just end up together in heaven someday. He wants us to experience the power of community today. And he makes that possible through the cross. And that's why every week we celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you have your communion, you know, the one thing that I have to say, um, I just don't like these little crazy communion things. Just, just being honest with you. <laughs> but the one thing that, that I do appreciate every week is, you know, instead, sometimes we used to pass the trays around and stuff, which there's, there's nothing wrong with that either. But the one thing I like is that we're doing this together. And, and together is how we're supposed to live. And so together, let's remember Jesus' body that was broken for us. Let's take the, the bread together. And the cup representing Jesus' shed blood that covers our sins, let's uh, take that together as well. And my prayer today is that community that Jesus died to bring us, that you would step into that today. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, that you created us in your image. Thank you for community. Thank you for creating the church. God, we, we know because we're humans and we're involved that it's not perfect. But God, we do know that it's a place where when we're doing it right, we experience the love and the belonging, the acceptance and the grace that you want us to. And Father, when we do it right, the world will flock to it. Father, thank you for the community you've built in the church. I pray again, Father, for everyone here today that if you, they're not in community, that God, your Holy Spirit would push them, prod them, 
do whatever it takes, Father, to get them to the place so that they can grow and thrive and become more like Jesus. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.